0: This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to today's program. We have a very special guest that will be joining us in our second segment today, the second appearance on this program of Mr. Michael Rupert. Mike Rupert's website from the wilderness has been... um, on a lot of news stories that the mainstream media has been reluctant to touch. He was talking, I think, 30 months ago about peak oil, the possibility of the world's oil supplies running out, and it's now something you'll find in the mainstream news, at least as of the last few days. There have been articles appearing in the New York Times about how the fact that there have been no major oil fields discovered since 1976 and what this bodes for our future. Rupert was ahead of the curve on that, as he's been ahead of the curve on a lot of other things. Mike Rupert goes a lot further than most people are willing to go in his analysis of the issues, and uh, we're pleased to have him share with us his viewpoints on a lot of uh, issues of the day in our second segment. Please stay tuned for that. It promises to be very interesting. Now, I got word this weekend from our special media correspondent, Mr. Gary Chu, that Air America has arrived in Sacramento. In fact, the efforts of Al Franken and company are indeed heard locally now on KSQR 1240 AM. We're going to try and hook up with the good people over at 1240 AM, see if we can interview their general manager and maybe some other people. Because the kind of thing you're hearing on Air America is the kind of thing you hear, frankly, on Radio Parallax. I, On the very first time I tuned in, I heard the familiar voice of Joe Wilson being interviewed by Al Franken. Joe Wilson appeared on this program on November 6th and will, will do so again in June. And quite frankly, it's wonderful to be able to tune onto the AM dial and hear something caught him out coming out of it that isn't just... Right wing propaganda. Uh, do we would we always agree with air America? I think not. I've already heard some issues that broadcast from them that uh, I would you know take some issue with, but hey, hey, it's good to hear some voices from the other side. I'm not sure it's wise nice to put on uh, Sandra Bernhardt as a major commentator about affairs in America. but uh, you know, what the hell? She's probably as knowledgeable as Bill O'Reilly. Now, if on this program we are not uh, you know, completely affiliated with the left, uh, I think in America we've leaned so far to the right that leaning to the left may be called for under the circumstances. But I would call your attention to the fact that um, we often cite from The Economist, which is considered to be a, a periodical of the right, and we often cite the Sacramento News and Review, which surely is a uh, periodical from the left. Oddly enough, in this last week, Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger of California graces the cover of both magazines. We, uh, we do recommend both of these, uh, these journals. They, they are going to give you different slants in the news, and it's your responsibility to read them and uh, decide where the truth lies. Um, it is sort of funny that uh, The Economist was largely praising of our governor, whereas the News and Review was somewhat skeptical. The article by Jeff Kearns was titled, Beat the Press... Subtitled, the governor has settled on a brilliant strategy for dealing with the media. Keep them in a pen and use them as a promotional tool while dodging the tough questions. Well, we covered Governor Arnold here uh, at at the campus of UCD a few weeks back. And, you know, I don't think I really stressed how well the media was managed in that event. We were sort of all uh, set aside in one region. The governor did not interact with us. There was not a lot of question and answer going on. And when it came time to signing that bill, which we played the audio for you, uh, the governor is a master at, you know, at 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 the visual image, at the photo op. He took out the pen, he signed the bill, he smiled and nodded at the crowd, and you can bet that that little soundbite and that little clip was what went out over the evening news. He's uh, turning out to be a rather masterful politician. And the economist thinks he's doing a bang-up job in managing California's affairs. Uh, well, we will be uh, returning to the governor uh on this program to talk about what's been going on and what will happen. You can rest assured of that. Now, quoting from the B, we took a rather skeptical viewpoint of the, U- of the Davis City Council's effort to change Sutter Place, a street in, uh, in Davis that leads up to Sutter Davis Hospital. And I noticed that uh, Jason Probst wrote a rather extensive article in the News and Review that I thought uh, warranted a word or two. And again, we we very much appreciate the Sacramento News and Review. We are really lucky to have such a periodical um, here in the greater Davis, Sacramento area. Uh, They explained something to be missed was that the Sutter Place in Davis is a 300-yard strip dominated by the Sutter Davis Hospital, the Davis Community Clinic, and little else. You know, I got to say, this reminds me of the bad old days of when I was a UC Davis student, and I and and we had to and I had to listen to these all these people that were advocating a boycott of South Africa. Now, that's that's a subject worthy of uh, of discussion. You could argue whether you know whether a boycott did some good or whether it did not. Personally, I uh, I have my doubts, and I certainly have had my doubts about why South Africa needed to be singled out among the world community of nations when compared to say what. Pol Pot was up to in Cambodia. And yes, if you were following the story about what was going on back in the 70s, you knew that genocide was taking place wholesale in the country of Cambodia. Yet, no one seemed to protest. Of all the things going on in the world of politics which might concern us in the present time, I, uh, I just have to shake my head when I read this article about people like activist Steve Jerome Wyatt, 46, who went on a month-long hunger strike to protest the Sutter Place name, figuring it would up the ante. We're constantly testing them for weaknesses, he said. 14 pounds lighter, according to the article in News & Review, Jerome Wyatt arrived alone for the protest scheduled for the April 13th meeting. Jerome Wyatt is homeless, but makes daily appearances at the UC Davis Cross-Cultural Center, which is all the home he needs. I go where the spirit guides me, and that's why I'm here, said Jerome Wyatt. You know, I just, I'm sorry, I just have to roll my eyes at some of this. Uh, You know, I listened to, uh, later in the same article it talks about, uh, they quote someone as saying, it's interesting to see 300-pound black guys playing football in helmets with a red skin on it. Actually, this is Mr. Jerome Wyatt again. Talk about irony. It's a racist term invented by white people, and I wonder if there's players who do the same thing if they were playing for the N-word. People just don't notice or they don't care. You know, when I was working down in Navajo country, which I did a couple years ago, uh, quite a bit of time, I noticed that the Navajos were wearing the Washington Redskins, the Dallas Cowboys, the Atlanta Braves, the Cleveland Indians. They're wearing all these insignias rather proudly. I guess Mr. White better get on the phone and give a call down to Gallup, New Mexico, and advise these people that, that they're not acting in a politically correct fashion. All right, enough of that. Don't, But really... Don't we have better things to do in Davis, or, or must we fulfill that stereotype? All right, I want to quote from someone in the Washington Post. It was a Jackson Deal who was echoing the sentiments expressed here on Radio Parallax. Mr. Deal did it rather eloquently, so I thought I would turn to his words to augment what we've already expressed. Quote, over the past three years, George Bush has poured more than $25 billion into the Missile Defense Shield program, the SDI, which envisions a phalanx of interceptor missiles activated by a network of satellites. Bush is now proposing to spend $53 billion more in the next five years, more than twice what we'll spend on customs and border protection. This makes no sense in a world where the biggest nuclear threat is that a terrorist will smuggle a bomb into a major city. Today, the only logic behind a missile shield is to prevent a quote, surprise missile attack, unquote, by a nuclear North Korea. But North Korea has no missile capable of reaching the continental U.S. That's almost verbatim from what we said a couple weeks ago. But, uh, Mr. McMillan, please cue up the appropriate sound effect for the missile defense shield. I mean, think about this. $53 billion. Billion with a B. You know, people have criticized the Bush administration for being obsessed with building this missile shield, preparatory to to September 11th. In other words, we were spending billions on this, and we should have spent this on intelligence to protect the nation. Well, I think that those criticisms are fully justified, and apparently they're going to remain justified for the next five years, I really want to thank The Week magazine for pulling together a lot of news sources from around the nation for the convenience of people putting on radio shows that need such a service. Uh, So The Week, we thank you. I'd like to quote a few other items that were in there recently of note, uh, some various miscellaneous things. Under the title, Only in America, we have the following. The U.S. Secret Service investigated a 15-year-old boy from Prosser, Washington for drawing anti-war pictures for his art class. One drawing showed George W. Bush's head on a stick, and the other depicted the president as a devil launching a missile with the caption, End the war, dash, on terrorism. The art teacher and school administrators called the police, who summoned the Secret Service. The boy was disciplined by the school, but luckily, not arrested. Does it seem to you that people in this country are having a little bit of difficulty with ideas like the First Amendment, the Bill of Rights, basic civil liberties, freedom of expression? Do you think these ideas have gotten a bit clouded of late? It it would seem so, wouldn't it? Now, we mentioned a couple weeks ago that North Korea appears to have eight bombs, no missiles of of any significant length. I think they can hit Guam and perhaps Japan and, of course, South Korea. But uh, they did have a, a terrible accident where a train exploded and killed an awful lot of people recently. It's quite a terrible tragedy. But uh, The Week notes that the North Korean state television reported that many of the people who died in last week's train explosion had heroically rushed into their burning homes to save their portraits of President Kim Jong-il. Somehow I don't think that's likely. Now, there was a there was a picture published in the... the Best pictures of 2003 showing Kim Jong-il with a bunch of people standing next to him looking rather nervous in a wheat field that, uh, that um, uh, one of our people here in the program is working on mounting. It's going to make one hell of a poster when it's done. It's, just, it's like, talk about one picture that's worth a thousand words. All right, another, another little gossip item that's uh, worthy of mention. Kevin Spacey's older brother has said he's writing a book that would expose Kevin's private life. Quoted as saying, I'm looking for 15 minutes of fame, and this book will give me that. <laughs> Talk about brotherly love. <laughs> Apparently, a Kevin Spacey's brother is a professional Rod Stewart impersonator. A little election news that's probably worthy of note. President Bush went out of his way to back moderate Senator Arlen Specter, the Republican running for uh, the, in the primary in in Pennsylvania, he narrowly defeated Representative Patrick Toohey, a Pennsylvania state senator, who uh, pretty much is more in line with the conservative wing of the Republican Party, which is the mainstay of Bush's Bush's support. However, in this swing state that uh, went to Al Gore in 2000, Bush would very much like to put it in the Republican camp, and he thinks he can do that better, if he backed Specter, who is perceived to be something of a moderate, at least in terms of uh, the viewpoint of uh, the Republican right. He is, among other things, pro-choice. God forbid. We mentioned for you in our November show, watching Senator Specter from uh, the audience, I was just, just a few feet away from him as he gave a speech explaining how he was pretty sure the Warren Commission got it right back in 1963 when he formulated the now infamous single-bullet theory, which uh, got the Warren Commission off the hook of having to have uh, two guns shooting at the presidential motorcade. He said, I think I got it right. Uh doesn't really matter anyway, does it? <laughs> well, uh, yes, Arlen, it does. Yeah, Spectre said, you know, it didn't really matter whether it was one bullet that hit the, hit the two men. You know, it was still just Oswald, but the thing is, if it wasn't one bullet hitting the two men, then two shots came in so fast that that gun could not have done the work. So that means two assassins. But (laughs) politician that he is, he just says, well, I think I got it right, and, you know, it it doesn't really matter that much. Now, you may have noticed that uh, the Spanish government, when there was a change uh, in the elections, they decided they wanted no more part of uh, the war in Iraq. They've been joined recently, or at least there's been noise made in Denmark uh, about the Danes are claiming that, well, you know, we got involved in this, sent 500 troops under what appears to be, uh, you know, false pretenses, lying about the situation regarding weapons of mass destruction. The Danes and the Europeans uh, haven't haven't put this behind them, thank goodness. Uh, they seem to think that being lied to blatantly about the whole cause for war uh, is a bit of a problem. But at any rate, the Spanish pulled out. But uh, in a little known item that, uh, that I caught uh, reading about this, apparently the Dominican... Honduran and Salvadorian troops, as well as some Nicaraguans who arrived in March, have all decided to turn tail and come home as well. The reason? With Spanish-speaking commanders gone, our small fighting forces will be practically useless, since they can't understand instructions in Polish or English. Doesn't this strike you as odd that in the, the American military and British military, that we don't have enough Spanish speakers to be able to communicate with people from Spanish-speaking nations. Or, uh, you know, I guess if we'd had the UN involved, they could have brought along a few translators, but uh, we didn't seem to want the UN as part of this action. And in a study by National Public Radio's Marketplace and the Center for Investigative Reporting, as noted in the Christian Science Monitor, It appears that nearly 20% of the billions of dollars American taxpayers are spending to rebuild Iraq is being lost to theft, kickbacks, and corruption. Now, we know that Halliburton is telling its shareholders that they're making a billion dollars a month over in Iraq, so um, I don't know. I guess that means they're also making $200 million a month via theft, kickbacks, and corruption. All right, we have three obituaries that uh, were probably worth noting. We'd like to, to mention the passing of some people who, you know, should not uh, should not go um, unremarked upon. Estee Lauder passed away last week at the age of, we think, 96. No one seems precisely sure how old she was. Estee Lauder was born Josephine Esther Menser uh, in Queens, New York, and uh, applied her Hungarian... Uh, émigré parents' knowledge of chemistry into cold creams and beauty products. She ultimately led to the marketing of 2,000 individual products. I saw it estimated somewhere that in the year 2000, half of the cosmetics sold in the United States came from Estee Lauder. Now, I don't know makeup. I don't know about Avon and Mary Kay and all that stuff, but it certainly sounds like Estee Lauder was the 900-pound gorilla of cosmetics. (laughs) <laughs> to use, to use a metaphor that I'm sure has our own doctor Andy wincing. And I'm sorry to report the passing of someone I very much wanted to interview for this program. Uh, we were, I didn't know, I didn't know he was as ill as he as he was apparently. State Senator Pete Knight passed away at uh, age 64 this weekend. Senator Knight, in 1964, set the world speed record for fixed-wing aircraft that still stands when he flew an X-15 rocket research craft at Mach 6.7. Senator Knight was well-respected in the, the California state legislature. He was uh, known to be an arch-conservative. Uh, he was the author of the controversial Proposition 22 a few years back that established um Heterosexual marriages as what was legal. There was a lot of, a lot of energy stirred up over that bill, and I think that really, whether it passed or did not pass, it did not change California state law, uh, one bit. I don't know. I thought all that was kind of silly, but I didn't. I didn't want to get into that issue in interviewing the senator. Had we been able to interview him, I would have liked very much to talk about his lengthy and distinguished flying career, and particularly about some of the efforts he had. Uh, flying the X-15. He was qualified as an astronaut, and, uh, you know, uh, that was an interesting program, the X-15, back in the 50s and 60s. The original idea was something like the space shuttle. You flew up into space and flew back. Well, America opted for the the, the quick and dirty, the shortcut method of going to the moon, of getting spacecraft up, basically putting spam in a can, as anyone who read uh, Tom Wolfe's classic book, The Right Stuff, uh, is aware of. Uh, but uh, we finally did eventually get back to returning to a, 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 an aircraft slash spacecraft that was more in keeping with the original idea of the Air Force, and I'm awfully sorry that we never, you know, we will get a chance to speak to Senator Knight about that, but perhaps some of his people can, uh, can talk a bit about that, um, that very interesting uh, page of the history of um, aviation. And finally, uh, comedian Alan King. Pass, also passed away this weekend uh, I wanted to get a comedy clip from Alan King and I wasn't able to do so but you know we'll try We'll try and dig one up you know we always come back to stuff later in later programs Alan King was sometimes a pretty funny guy he wasn't you know necessarily my favorite comic of, of all time but he was solid he, he, was, he set the all time record on the Ed Sullivan show and for those of you too young to remember which I'm sure is all the students uh, at, at UCD uh, Ed Sullivan was the show Back in the nineteen sixties, I mean, it was a variety show. It had something for everyone. People are familiar with the famous uh, time when the Beatles in nineteen sixty four made their American um, uh, singing debut on Ed Sullivan after they'd appeared on the Jack Parr program. Um, Alan King appeared on the Ed Sullivan show ninety three times. Now, you know that was the thing to do. If you were on Sullivan, you'd made it. I mean, that was like the Tonight Show, David Letterman. It was even it was even like you know twice what those are. And uh, King I must have had the record. I can't imagine anybody appearing more. I must have seen half of them, I think. He was always on The Sullivan Show on Sunday night. Uh, funny guy. And, uh, you know, Alan King, we salute you. That about wraps up this segment. Uh, let's take a short break and return to talk with... Michael Rupert. Michael Rupert's website, From the Wilderness, contains some things I think you should take a look at. Go on the web and check out what is being said. We talked about the possibility of returning to a military draft. This was being talked about on From the Wilderness months ago. It's now been in the mainstream news. That's a topic we're definitely going to want to return to, but be sure to come back because In the next segment, Michael Rupert's going to talk about a lot of controversial stuff where he's been far ahead of the curve. He goes where the major media outlets have been unwilling to go, and an awful lot of times, he's been proven right so far. I'm Douglas Everett, this is Radio Parallax, and you are listening to 90.3 FM, Davis, Sacramento.